Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Pants Trapper Mike Blewett. Back with you, Sean Engel behind the glass, uh, keeping me entertained uh, as we rejoin here. Time to talk some cooking, Mike. I know that's what you expected uh, when we logged on to do our show today. Uh, But a couple of stories out of Major League Baseball around cooking. And who doesn't get injured when cooking? I mean, let's be honest. We've we've cut fingers. We've uh, maybe uh, burned a a finger or a hand or or caused some sort of other injury. But two injuries in spring training this weekend. This weekend. This spring training, I should say. Uh, One, Brandon Nimmo. Uh, we have a story that circulated widely. Maybe you have uh, evidence uh, to the contrary. Uh, And we have uh, Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe Kelly first. Uh, Joe Kelly on the shelf currently for the Dodgers uh, because, and what they're deeming, is a sore back due to cooking for too long. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers manager Dave Roberts said, hard-throwing right-hander Joe Kelly was scratched from his scheduled appearance on Wednesday. We'll throw lightly on Friday in hopes he can get into a game in a couple of days. Kelly felt tightness in his back on Wednesday. Robert said Kelly told him he hurt his back when he stood too long cooking Cajun food. As somebody, that has had, as somebody that's had back issues over the course of their life, uh, I have sympathy for this. This is really just his back got tight because he was standing right. up too long. Uh, you know, the, the, the cooking thing is a funny component to it, but... It wasn't like years ago. This is probably more than 10 years ago. There was two kickers, both the punter and the kicker on the Jaguars. One of them had to go on IR because they were making fondue, and one of them slipped and burned themselves uh-huh. with – you can Google this – and burned themselves with the hot fondue, whatever it was, cheese or whatever was in uh, – I suppose was in there. And – uh I, the guy was out for a month, maybe even been IR'd. So that was the all-time worst cooking injury I've heard in sports. Um, so this one pales in comparison, but nonetheless, it seems like he's got uh, a little bit of back issue right now. They just signed him to a three-year, $25 million deal from the Sox or the offices. You know, I read a really interesting article about Joe Kelly uh, in The Athletic couple of weeks back about how he's overcome a lot in his life and family struggles and and all that kind of stuff and he's got an interesting attitude he plays he he was not a guy that was on any radar in high school and he just worked his tail off and he plays with a massive chip on his shoulder he talks a lot of trash and that's just the way he's going to be he's kind of unapologetic about it and it was interesting You know, as a Yankees fan, Joe Kelly was not like he's not a guy that endears himself to the opposing team. He just gets in people's face and and that's just the way he plays. But when you read this article, it's pretty interesting. I will say this because I read the article. I developed not a soft spot for him, but I understand like how he is. And that would suck to be out because he stood up too long. Well, and also have your manager out there sharing that. Like, right, maybe maybe you go in and say, listen, I was standing too long. I was cooking up some of my Cajun food. I, I uh, will we'll get better, and I won't, I won't do that again. And then to have the manager yeah, <laughs> relate that help. to the media doesn't may not help. be what you want. And to your point, I'm, I'm reading as well the follow-up. So the story was that Brandon Nimmo had the stomach bug. Uh, and then a, a couple of days later, it came out that he had, in fact, gotten himself sick by cooking chicken or undercooking chicken, and so salmonella. For those of you who are Mets fans or not even and want a good laugh, uh, Brandon Nimmo's wife on Twitter was hysterical <laughs> about the entire situation. She just went after him. Like, I mean, absolutely went after I mean, him. He's she, an idiot. He's an idiot um, if he undercooked chicken and got right. himself sick. 
and so she just she just had a good time, and there was some some good back and forth between her and fans, and and honestly, from a, a baseball fan perspective, you like to see that that there's some uh, levity and some uh, kindness to uh, the interactions there. But as you pointed out, uh, it was in fact a virus that got Nimmo sick. So uh, you can check him off from the cooking classes at least at present. Uh, Maybe they're coming uh, for him. What was that? Maybe maybe they're covering for him. Maybe, maybe, it wasn't, maybe it was. Maybe he did get himself sick, and they're trying to, unlike Dave Roberts, maybe Mickey Calloway is trying to protect his guy and not throw him under the bus. Well, let's be honest. Uh, we know that the Mets uh, medical staff has been nothing but accurate over the past 10 oh, years. Yeah. So bang-up job in, uh, in Queens. Uh, we, we can uh, chalk this up to uh, what are under the bridge, uh, what are under the pan uh, of the undercooked chicken. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, Listen, uh, I'm going to I'm going to use listen here for those of you out here out there <laughs> cooking. Uh, just just cook the chicken enough. Just just, just yeah. make sure it's, co- it's if it's pink, you don't eat it. It's pretty yeah. straightforward. So yeah. that's this, that ends the chicken's cooking not a hard one, man. Ch- chicken's not a hard one. No, pork you, you, like you just got to go all the way. Yeah. Right. Pork can There's be difficult. No, yeah, you you know, you get a little bit of red meat, you want to eat it a little rare. It's fine. I I wouldn't do it, but it's fine. But with chicken, you just got to go all the way, man. Chicken, yeah. turkey, poultry, you just got to go. Just give it an extra minute or two to make sure. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you don't think it's cooked enough, cook it more. Like, that's, that's it. Just just put it back on. Uh, you're not ordering chicken rare ever. That is for sure. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Major League Baseball spring training is, uh, is barreling on, and there are going to be plenty of stories that uh, we'll cover here on the network, but also Mike and I will uh, take on over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm excited. I get to go down uh, on Friday for Tout Wars uh, to join the head-to-head uh, points league on Friday night. So looking forward to uh, nice. discussing that on Saturday with George. I know, uh, Mike, you are, are not with us next weekend, but correct. we will. Uh, Sorry to miss uh, Tout Wars weekend. I, I This is the second year in a row I've had to miss it. I just, I'm traveling. Going down to Charleston, South Carolina next weekend. I've never been, so uh, just a little bit of R&R. It, it's a bad weekend to do it, but it's the only one I can squeeze in. Historically, uh, in the past, I've traveled to all these basketball tournaments right. in, uh, during March, and I've gone to Final Fours. Uh, this year, I'm not going to be doing that, so I'm t- taking the opportunity to go on this really quick 48-hour trip to Charleston. So I'll, I'll report back, and I'll be listening. I've heard uh, delightful things about Charleston in the past. Hope you have a great time. And uh, we will uh, tackle some NCAA uh, work next weekend as well uh, as all of that rolls out in Selection Sunday and the like. So look forward to talking about that. Really late this year, Selection Sunday. It's really, I kept struggling with the fact that the conference tournaments haven't started yet. Like, it's on St. Patrick's Day, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's it been one of those keep expecting to happen, and you have regular season games. Duke, UNC, I think, again get tonight. Uh, I haven't seen any news as whether uh, Williamson will suit up or not. I know he's been questionable heading into the past couple of day- games and has not suited up. Uh, but uh should be a fun one. Always is. Uh, I, I get frustrated with that rivalry. Like, I'm sure Red Sox, uh, non-Red Sox, non-Yankee fans get fed up with uh, – Boston, New York being all over ESPN and every other outlet whenever they play, but it should be a good one. And there are a lot of good college teams. And uh, I get that some people don't love college basketball. It's not as good as the NBA. I just enjoy watching it more. I, I enjoy the the fun of the tournament and the fun of the conference tournaments uh, than I do over the NBA pretty much any day. Um, you, you take the professional level. Sure. I love watching them be good at the sport, uh, but the fun of the, the college game, I'll take any week. I, I do want to, I know you've in the past covered uh, and been more involved in college because of work commitments uh, and the like this year, not as much. Uh, is there a March Madness or a college basketball game that sticks out for you, something that you attended or saw because of work commitments that uh, as we start rolling towards conference tournaments and start thinking about uh, the the NCAA tournament that is around the corner, uh, uh, one that stands out really for you as, as your go-to storytell? Well, I would say a couple of things in general. Just a general comment. I, people do tend to wait around for the NCAA tournament to get into March Madness. Yep. But I actually think you're doing yourself a disservice because there are times where that first weekend of the tournament, it's always fun, but you might not see as many upsets in a given year as you would expect to. So I would tell you that March Madness has already started. Yep. What people tend to 
not do is watch the conference tournaments. Now, big-time college basketball fans are locked in already, but I would say that generally the conference tournaments are where you see some amazing basketball being played. Even at the mid-major to low-major level, these teams are trying to kill each other to get to the tournament just to get a bid to potentially get blown out by Duke or somebody else. But I'm telling you, you're missing out if you're not watching. Just throw on ESPN or Fox or whatever after you listen to our show and right. see what's coming on. I guarantee today's a full slate, uh, noon to midnight. I guarantee it. And tomorrow and all through next week, you're going to have games on all different times of day starting at noon all throughout the day. You'll have ACC games starting next uh, I think on Tuesday, you'll have ACC games on Tuesday, on Wednesday, all through the week. Same with Big 12, SEC, Big 10. And the low majors, you're going to start getting into championship games probably starting tomorrow. It may even be one today. but So do that. Uh, but I guess I would be uh, – and as far as my personal storytelling, so I saw the Final Four down in Atlanta, and that was Wichita, Louisville. Syracuse and Michigan and that Louisville Wichita game was electric because Wichita was winning and right. Louisville's Luke Hancock hit like three threes in the second half and the place went bananas and that was fun but the best game I ever went to is what people probably considered to be the greatest ending in the history of college basketball I was in Houston for the final four that had North Carolina and Villanova that ultimately faced off in oh, the championship wow. game. And Chris Jenkins hit the buzzer beater uh, to win the national championship. So that that's a hard one to beat. It's the only true buzzer beater in the history of the NCAA championship game. Uh, the irony of that is that game was amazing, but the final four games that year were absolutely awful. Villanova beat Oklahoma by 45 it oh, was right. an annihilation yep. it was a buddy healed Oklahoma team and the uh, obvious you know there's a bunch of pros from that Villanova team now Brunson and, and um, uh, a bunch of these other guys that are in the league now Josh Hart uh, some of those other guys um, but that was an incredible game but they beat oh, they shot the lights out all throughout that tournament and against Oklahoma. It was incredible. It was twenty, probably a 25, 27-point game at halftime. It got worse. It just it was really unbelievable. And then North Carolina played Syracuse and kind of ran them off the floor. It wasn't as big of a blowout, but ran them off the floor, and there was no energy. There was no juice in the building at all. It's hard for there to be juice in those arenas because it's 75,000 people watching a basketball right. game. It's not a great uh, experience always in person. I sat near Villanova, so it was a lot more fun. But um, that game, Nova had like an 11-point lead in the championship game with four minutes left. And I remember looking up and being like, they can't do it. There's just not enough time. They won't be able to come back. And they did. And they tied it on a crazy double pump shot from, uh, help me out, Dan, the point guard from Carolina then. Damn it. Yeah. I'm trying um, to remember. It's a double pump three-pointer to tie it. And Nova only had four and a half seconds to come down, and they ran a perfect play. It was, like, right out of their playbook. One, two, three passes. Bang, knocked down the three-pointer. Chris Jenkins won it. So that's going to be a hard one to beat. That, hard one to I, beat. I, that one sticks out in my mind, too. I, I watched it on TV, but being there had to have been uh, an experience in and of itself. Uh, the And to Mike's point, the conference tournaments almost, not almost always, but a good deal of the time are more exciting, um, and especially the small. And again, is it what Dr. James Naismith had in mind when he invented basketball? Maybe not. Um, it's not. It's not exactly uh, you know ballet out there. It's a little bit more uh, rough and tumble at times. You do have lower shooting percentages, and it's not uh, the Golden State Warriors that you're watching. Uh, but there is a certain level of passion and. Um, do or die mentality to these conference tournaments, and especially for these that's the real do or small die. schools. Yeah, that's yep. the real do or die. Like Radford 
in the Big South. I, I guess that's their. I, I think that's their league. I may have that wrong. Where the hell Belmont? No, I think that's right. It's uh, isn't it Wolford and Radford are in the same. I, I think, I think there right. are a few different Fords in in the, in the Big South. But you know Belmont or Radford or Texas Southern, they don't have even the most optimistic of their fans or their players or their coach. Don't think they're going to get on a run to win the NCAA tournament. But if you're a four seed in that conference and you haven't quite had the year you've gotten and none of the guys or the coach have ever gotten to the NCAA tournament as a head coach or as a player before, you have a chance. You're playing in your league against some of your blood rivals trying to win to get to the tournament and maybe win a game there. Maybe you're this year's UMBC. That is very intense and I've been I've been to many 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 of those games <laughs> in my life and they're <clears throat> they're a ton of fun I've got I've been all over the country watching all of those different tournaments for years uh, I'm glad to not have to do it this year to be honest to take a break on the travel but those games are a lot of fun whether you're in person or at home I'm just telling you uh, you know, watch a Manhattan Iona game. You'll see it's entertaining. Was it Marcus Page? Is that who the that's point it. guard? That's North it. Carolina? Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I, I needed to needed to find that answer for you and for myself because that was rattling around in the back Drive of the brain. Nuts, yeah. Uh, so Marcus Page and then Chris Jenkins, uh, a crazy crazy finish in that one, and one <clears> that uh, will go down most likely as the best uh, as time gets further away. I know people like to point to. Some craziness in earlier round games. You always hear about Leitner, but that that won it all. So uh, it has to have a little bit more merit to it uh, as you go through. We have uh, two more segments left here on our radio program. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA and then recap our top stories in the final uh, segment we have as we <clears throat> excuse me as we lead you up to the top of the hour. It's Cam and George uh, with uh, the weekend sports update. They will be on with you. Make sure to download the app. Take us with you wherever you are going. Uh, the tournaments uh, that are underway are, are good ones, too. So, as Mike said, maybe keep George and Cam on the, the earphones, uh, fire up the television, uh, and start joining in the fun in college basketball as we go through. Uh, but plenty still to get to. I want to touch on the Lakers situation. I know it's been a, a big topic of conversation across multiple outlets. I want to talk about that as well uh, as we... Uh, Get inundated with takes on LeBron James and what's going on with the Lakers and where they move forward. Dan Strafford, Mike Blewett here. Fantasy Sports Day. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're with you every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Right here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FNTSY.com slash radio, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening. Back with more on the other side of the spring. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Dan Strafford, Mike Blewett with you. <clears throat> Sean Angle behind the glass, uh, getting us in and out of breaks flawlessly here. Mike, uh, <clears throat> it's that time of the show where I get a little upset. My, my voice goes, I kid. Uh, just kidding. I uh, have to clear the throat ever so gently here. But uh, we want to transition a bit to the NBA and want to get your take on media at large. And I know it's sort of meta and uh, self-serving to talk about the media on a sports radio show. But I was traveling earlier in the week, and uh, I was in Austin, Texas. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Uh, I was in Austin, Texas, and, and you, when you're in a hotel, you get what a, num- a certain number of channels, right? And one of those channels is inevitably always ESPN. And I left the, the network on, and I would say for a good 75% of a three-hour program, all they did was talk about LeBron James. All they talked about 
LeBron, the Lakers, them not going to make the playoffs. Obviously, when you do media, you understand that what the audience wants is what drives the content that you're doing. But does anyone really want 75% of a show to be just about LeBron James and the Lakers? Is that really where we're at, that they're not making... It's that big a story that a poorly constructed roster uh, with an aging star isn't making the playoffs? Uh, I think you're you're spot on, but we've seen this before. It's not just them. I oh, think right. they, yes, ca- yes. they okay. cater to where their traffic is going and their site traffic may be ruling how things are programmed and vice versa. So they have some insight on LeBron James. They have a big partnership with the NBA. Um, Insight, meaning they have people that follow him closely. Right. So they've got a lot invested in him. And if it gets, if it increases website traffic and increases engagement across platforms, then unfortunately for larger, for more in-depth sports fans like you and myself and others, (laughs) it doesn't really serve what they're doing. I think you've seen this in the past with Tim Tebow stories, just getting just beaten into the ground when the guy was a third stringer on the Jets. We were seeing stories about how uh, Tebow refused to go in a tight end, like just really ridiculous, minuscule micro stories on Tim Tebow to try and extract every last ounce of blood out of the story. We see it. I think you're seeing this with LeBron. Now, it helps that he's an, an uber star, you know, just in you know beyond superstar. But it is insane. You know, like it, at some point, like why don't we just do stories about Giannis and why don't we do stories about like I was watching a little game last night. Denver was playing the Warriors, and yep. I, I don't even know what happened there. The Warriors were blowing off the floor in the first quarter, so I don't even know how the game ended up, but. You know, it was interesting to hear Van Gundy and the crew talk about Nikola Jokic and how right. what a good player he is and how Van Gundy said he is possibly the greatest big man pastor, passer in the history of the NBA. He's like only 40 years in, and he's saying he might be the biggest big man passer of all time. And like doing stories on, like, on guys like that, now, I'm an NBA. I, I watch the NBA, so I already know who he is. But I think doing stories like that is more interesting to me, diving in a little bit deeper on him than doing the 50th story of the day on LeBron. Like, I don't really care that they're missing the playoffs. People will use it as some sort of I, – I, nobody's ever had more referendums put on their career than LeBron James, and people will use this as another one to say why he's not as good as this guy or not as good as that guy, and I told you Jordan was better. Like, I'm done with those stories too, and please don't float me another Mount Rushmore conversation. <laughs> you know, like, you want to bore me to tears? Let's do another Mount Rushmore conversation. Although I did like the top five cereals thing that was popular on Twitter this week. That was pretty interesting to me. But nonetheless, yeah, it's okay that they're going to miss the playoffs. Like, they suck. They can't shoot. It's uh, a team that's poorly constructed. Uh, And I don't know if that was LeBron's doing after he signed, but they went out and signed a bunch of ISO players like Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley and... A bunch of guys also on one-year contracts. Guys who are in it for themselves. Meaning, not not talking about Beasley and Stevenson specifically, but guys who are trying to earn that next contract. And not necessarily going to take a back seat at times when they needed to or or find their role on a team like this. You also had the Lonzo Ball injury, and that's another note to bring up here, that uh, Luke Walton has said that he would not be surprised if Lonzo Ball doesn't play again this year. They haven't discussed it as of yet, uh, but Ball is still uh, a few days, if not a couple of weeks, away from uh, basketball activities. And and when you get that far down the road, you start talking about shutting it down. Uh, The former number two overall pick has a bone bruise related to a grade three ankle sprain he suffered January 19th. He hasn't been doing anything but dribbling drills and standstill shooting. 
since suffering the injury. We've talked, Mike, about LeBron shutting it down. We haven't seen that yet. We've seen that he is getting a, a minute restriction, one from what he was upwards of 36 to 40 minutes a game uh, when they're still trying to make a run for the playoffs. Now almost mathematically eliminated or, or at least trending that way. He's yeah, down look, to... They're, they've won two of their last 10. If they right. won their last 17 games, they probably won't make the playoffs. They probably can't make the playoffs if they won every game because the Spurs and the Clippers just need to go 500 and then they make it. And uh, you have these these changes. If you're looking at the Lakers and to take it less of a LeBron uh, microscope and more of a Lakers microscope, they will have cap space. Um, but we now have two star potential players that Plinka and Magic Johnson, or just Magic Johnson, depending on what media stories you read, have bungled. Uh, you have the Paul George, they overplayed their hand there, and mm-hmm. clearly thought that they had Paul George signed, sealed, and delivered to L.A. to play with LeBron, and, and didn't go about spreading around their resources to bring in other, maybe less high-level free agents, but ones who could have helped them this year. Um, and then you have this fiasco. Now, Dell Demps obviously fired by New Orleans, but they played it and strung them along, and Magic Johnson was all in, and it was all broadcasted. It was all broadcasted. Uh, the team, the individual players, the young guys who knew they were going to get traded, the, the one-year contract guys who know they're not back next year, seem to have quit on the team. Uh, so are are you of the mind that the Lakers are in good hands here and can right the ship in the offseason? Or is this more of a problem with the front office that's really going to hamper how this team goes about building around LeBron uh, for 2019-2020? I've said this before. I'm not giving them credit for LeBron, for them getting LeBron to come there. That was a layup. So it's all about what happens now. And is it real that guys don't want to play with LeBron anymore? Like guys didn't really want to play with Kobe either. Right. I mean, it's when you, th- when you really dive back into it, I don't think everybody wanted to play with Jordan. It's not easy when there's an alpha dog like that, that is demanding a lot out of you. And, you know, is obviously being in LeBron's case, like he gets conceded a lot uh, of things. I don't know if you believe that he was drinking wine on the bench, but that seems <laughs> unprofessional. Uh, and he's been granted a lot of decision-making power in other areas. And when you have a player making decisions that go beyond what's happening on the court, I think players would be uncomfortable with that. Because, like, can this can my teammate mess with my money? Can my teammate mess with the rest of my career? That isn't a place where I'd want to go. You you've already you already know that the deck is stacked when you're dealing with coaches and front offices and how they can jerk you around. But if you got a player doing that, I'm not saying that LeBron isn't in other people's best interests, but I am saying that he's in his own best interest first and above all, as I guess he should be. But you understand why a player might be iffy about going out there, right? Yeah, and I I really am. Uh... It's a storyline to watch, and I know I just spent some time complaining about Lakers storylines, but this is more about the organization, and to me, less about LeBron and, and him playing a certain amount of minutes and his poor defensive stance and, you know, is LeBron bought in or is he already planning his movie career? I don't care. I really don't care about those things. I, I, I do care about how the, the front office, to, in my viewpoint, has bungled the, the past few negotiations, and with that, to your point, with LeBron specifically— are you going to get uh, a free agent who wants to go there? Now, Anthony Davis may want out of New Orleans so badly um, that he is happy to play uh, the Robin to LeBron Batman uh, as they try to form a super team there for uh, the Lakers. But how about the way the Clippers have been playing? Does Anthony Davis just want to play in L.A.? Does he just want to get out of New Orleans and go play in Los Angeles? Can the Clippers make a run at AD? Do the Knicks have enough assets when all is said and done and we get the ping pong balls and, and the trade deadline comes around over the summer or the trade <clears throat> don't builds do that back to me, up? Please. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm not going to convince myself that it will. And even do you want Anthony Davis? Me, an... Yeah, I do want it, Anthony Davis. Yeah. Okay. The injuries don't concern you. <clears throat> 
when you take everything else into account, yeah, I'll take Anthony Davis. Okay. I'll take everything into account and then say yes. Yeah, I'd be in on that. I want they won't get the rookie Williams, that they're about sure. to draft, yeah, exactly. but, you know, obviously, so that goes away. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll take him. Um, I'll always have to consider what they're giving up, and, you know, if it all gets stripped down to the bare minimum and then it's Anthony Davis and nobody else, then I, I might say no, but, uh, yeah, it's a good place to start. So next year, Lakers salaries committed. LeBron James, $37.5 million. It's nice work if you can get it. Luol Deng, um, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Mo Wagner, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Isaac Bonga. Those are the only guys with any salary remaining that is committed, uh, that is on the books for the Lakers, uh, I should say. So um, they got a lot to work with. You know, we've talked for a long time about the cap space that they've created, and we shall see. But um, I, I think it's clear that guys are getting edgy about playing with him and the entire dynamic. I mean, the coach is fired. It sucks, but he was put in an untenable situation. Right. Uh, some other NBA news to pass along. James Harden uh, had an x-ray on his wrist. He is expected to play on Sunday. This is according to Tim McMahon of ESPN. X-rays on James Harden's wrist were negative. Harden will get treatment and is expected to play Sunday versus Dallas. Dallas, uh, he left Friday's win over the Sixers briefly in the first half after falling on his wrist and then exited the arena prior to speaking to the media in order to undergo a precautionary x-ray. Uh, suffice to say here, Mike, if James Harden goes down, the Houston Rockets don't win another game. You know, there's enough talent there, but uh, th- that would be a, a massive blow of any kind yeah, to over. the Rockets. Yeah, it's over. Season's over. Um, luckily, he gets to play on Sunday, so we'll see how he goes. But, you know, they're surging right now. They're playing better. Uh, they're obviously Harden has pulled them through this entire half a season of him scoring 30 points a night. And, uh, you know, they're putting themselves in position to con- conceivably grab the two seat. So, uh, they'll have to go on the road, likely against the Warriors, who have a two-game lead right now in the Nuggets and five on the Rockets. So uh, you, you would imagine that the Warriors may maintain that lead. But uh, nonetheless, the Rockets are putting themselves into position to you really want to get that two seed because the only time you want to play the Warriors is when it's for all the marbles to, to get to the NBA championship. You don't want to play them sooner than that. They're only a half game in front of the four seed, so you have to consider all this when you're talking about things moving around. But right now, the Rockets are, are looking like they're making a run at that two seed, which would help them greatly. Uh, wondering your take here. Uh, we can carry this over into the next segment as we close out. Don't forget Cam and George coming up. Top of the hour uh, weekend sports update uh, to take you through uh, a few more hours here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am of the mind that, yes, the Golden State Warriors are still the team to beat, but I feel like they look less like the Warriors of old uh, over the past couple of games. Great game against the Nuggets, and they did beat them by 20. Clay Thompson uh, carrying the day for uh, the Warriors. Is there a team in the West that you would at least speculatively maybe place a wager on, on their future odds to win the NBA Finals this year? Uh, you have the Houston Rockets at 15-1, to 1, Oklahoma City at 25-1, to 1, Denver Nuggets at 30-1, to 1, and then you get probably to, to too far afield, but uh, Utah fifty to one, and Portland sits at seventy five to one. Um, I don't think any anybody. I don't think anybody will beat them, but the 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 Thunder yep. interest me because Stephen Adams has managed to get a thorn in their side. Um, Paul George, obviously in consideration for MVP, and Russ Westbrook being Russ Westbrook. I just don't think they have the depth. To compete, and I, and I think Kerr is good enough to. Steve Kerr has talked about this openly. It is hard, at times, for him to muster the energy to motivate this team. Right, they have yep. done so much winning in the regular season, and clearly, uh, multiple championships right now. That it's hard for him to motivate them every night. Last night was a motivating experience. The Nuggets were coming into town. So the first quarter, it was like 22 to 5. They were killing them early. Defending pick and rolls, just, I mean, they came out hair on fire watching it last night. And you knew the game was over early. But 
uh, I, I just think that that's part of it. I think it's part of the deal. And I think come playoff time, you know, they have to get away from not playing in the second quarter and, you know, trying to come out with big third quarters. They got into a little bit of that mode last year, and they're going to have to avoid that because, like you said, maybe it's not – maybe they're not quite what they were last year. But KD and Curry and Cousins and – I mean, Cousins isn't even all the way back yet. Right. You have to consider that. It went uh, four by six, had uh, six uh, – 13 points, six blocks, six rebounds, and uh, – uh, enough assists to, to go four by six last night. And, and that's not playing a ton of minutes I mean, he, and not being yeah. fully back from the Achilles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's probably getting to the point where he, he's back, but you know, cousins might say at the end of the year, I was never really a hundred percent. I'm still around 80, 90. So. Milwaukee bucks are eight to one Toronto Raptors, 12 to one out of the East 76ers, 25 to one, just to round out some of those odds from the Eastern conference. We have one more segment to get to. I, I think the I even the Raptors. This is going to be a fun playoffs. I think it's not a foregone conclusion, and things uh, could get interesting as we go through. Dan Schrapper, Mike Blue, with you. One more segment to go. Continue a little bit of the NBA talk. Recap some of the top stories from the day and get you ready for the rest of your day in sports. Thanks so much for listening. On the other side of this break, we'll close it out. Fantasy sports today. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It's a revolution in sports talk radio. Dan Trafford, Mike Blewett here. Bring you to the top of the hour. Cam and George will continue on in our stead as they talk uh, world of sports as well. Weekend sports update right here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Catching up on some news that was overnight in the NFL. Both uh, Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport reporting. Uh, Carlos Hyde visiting the Kansas City Chiefs, Mr. Blewett. Ah, uh, so like Hyde, that. we discussed earlier, uh, cut that. by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think there are some who want to see Damian Williams as the lead back there in Kansas City from a skill set perspective and, and what he, he brought be. to the table. Agreed. Do you, if you are, say, a dynasty owner of a Damian Williams, care if a Carlos Hyde is brought in or if a early round running back is drafted? Which do you think is a better situation for Williams owners? Um, better better situation for Williams owners. I think you have to consider that the Chiefs know that they need a stable of backs. I think we've seen success from a variety of different running backs in that offense. Yep. You know, hashtag running backs don't matter. So uh, it's really about the play calls and, and putting those guys in a position to succeed. But what I would say is that I think this is just indicative of what they're going to do with Chuck Kendrick West and or Spencer Ware. I think one or both of those guys find them their way out of town. They've got Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, then conceivably a Carlos Hyde. He hasn't signed on the dotted line yet, but if I'm him and you get a decent paycheck, I think that's uh, a pretty good place to go. You got a chance to win, and I think he could be a nice uh, change of pace guy there, maybe more reliable than Spencer Ware, who frankly was hurt a lot, even in a part-time role. Um, he, he and West, you know, just weren't even always available. So I think they're probably looking for somebody that's available more often. So it's more about them. Um, and then Hyde is a, you know, a late round flyer because if he's either going to be a part of the offense throughout, or he'll be a guy that if Williams goes down, then Hyde will step right up. But, um, he's more viable than the other two. If, if that answers your question, he could eat into the carries more regularly right. than the other two might. And we, we have yet to see Damian Williams be like a workhorse kind of back. I, I don't, I don't know that you could put that label on him. I, I think that's a little bit much. So Hyde is a part of this rotation. 
And some other of the uh, rule rule changes, we discussed the Denver Broncos uh, at length earlier, but there are some others that have been uh, released by the operations department at the National Football League. Some of the teams, all the teams have the opportunity to propose rule changes. They then go to the rules committee, they get voted on there, and then they decide if they're going league wide or not. Uh, We talked about the Denver Broncos uh, onside kick proposal Kansas City Chiefs obviously a, a rival uh, of the the Broncos during the regular season have these points about overtime as proposals and uh, get your take here on the mic allow both teams the opportunity to possess the ball at least one time in overtime even if the first team with the ball scores a TD eliminate overtime for preseason games and eliminate overtime coin toss so winner of coin toss to begin game may choose whether to kick or receive or which goal to defend at the beginning of overtime itself any thoughts therein hang on do that do that again for me i, yep, I understand got- the one the one possession give me the coin flip thing again so eliminate the overtime coin toss so okay. winner of the coin toss to begin the game may choose whether to kick or receive or which goal to defend to begin overtime so whoever wins, it. it's one coin toss, period, full stop. I like it. Um, I'm torn on it, it only because I think there's always a reaction to something that just recently happened. You know, there was all this, well, we got to change instant replay because of what happened in the Rams-Saints game. Now it's not, it's probably not going to be changed, by the way. It, it looks like all, any momentum that w- was going to occur from that, I think it's disappeared, and I don't expect that to change. So that's one. Two, um, what happened with the Pats, uh, you know, driving right down the field and scoring a touchdown, people are reacting to it and saying, well, everybody should get a t- chance to touch the ball. We already did this, and I thought it made sense with the field goal thing that we should it, – it's a little ridiculous that somebody, you know, kicks off, they get the ball to 25. All they got to really do is drive the ball – 50 yards to have a 42 yard field goal like that doesn't seem like a lot of effort to win a game in a tightly contested overtime game so when it said when the rules were changed i actually didn't mind that adjustment uh i'm not the guy like well you got i I think at some point you have to play defense like can you just not let them drive down the field and score a touchdown and convert every third down and every fourth down if a team takes the ball and drives down the field and scores a touchdown, you're really saying it's unfair? I think they are. I think people are saying that. Like, I, don't I, agree I, with them, I, I have a hard time. Now, on the flip side, it's that we're letting a coin toss decide some of these things. And I understand that. But I, I just like, at some point, we keep making rules changes to be like, oh, this isn't fair and that isn't fair. Well, just just come up with one stop. Don't be offsides, D Ford, and you win. Yeah. Oh. Just don't be offsides, and you win. And they're going to trade him too. They franchised him, and he's going. He's probably going to be traded. He doesn't well, fit the new defensive scheme. The, here's the thing I said earlier about the Rams. Like the Rams took a run at it, and they're going to lose some pieces. The Chiefs have a bunch of holes now. Like, the Chiefs are not as put together as some of the other teams that were good. I'm not saying that they're going to fall apart. I'm saying the Chiefs have to make some real changes. Justin Houston is on his way out. D. Ford was franchise tag, but they are probably going to trade him. Yep. So Schefter was saying that earlier, too. Yep. They are pro- Packers and 49ers are expressing interest right now. It is likely because they're switching to a new scheme. Steve Spagnuolo coming in to be their new defensive coordinator. They're switching schemes to a 3-4, and that's not really a D Ford playing a 3-4 defensive end isn't going to work. He's really just a pass rushing outside linebacker. So Maybe the Browns uh, can bring him in. They actually pretty good pass rush. They could. That's what I just, they, just they keep adding pretty to good it. pass rush. Yeah. So um Though they have good pieces of the pass rush. We'll see how they play it. But nonetheless, um, so, yeah, that's it on the Chiefs. That's how I feel about uh, it. So, as far as the rule change, I mean, fine. But, like, <laughs> we're doing this because of one game. Yep. That's why. Because the most recent game. It's all, like, alarmism based on the most recent occurrence. Well, of something well there's more. 
to, to that uh-huh. point. There are other okay. rule changes uh, being suggested, and then right down the same alley here. Uh, I'm going to read multiple that are all of similar vein. Uh, the Washington Redskins say subject all plays to coaches' challenges by teams or review by the officiating department. Uh, that would be one that could obviously make these games College last a lot that. longer. Uh, all, all, yes, review all personal fouls as reviewable plays. That's also from the Redskins. Add review of personal fouls called or not called on the field as plays subject to coaches' challenges. That's from the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the Panthers, Eagles, Rams, and Seahawks all put in add review of player safety-related fouls called or not called on the field as plays subject to coaches' challenge. Is there a specific example on that last one? No, there is not. I wonder if I, my first thought that popped into my head is like uh, when a quarterback gets hit in the helmet or doesn't get hit in the helmet. Yeah, that, that would be the wonder. assumption. I think that's because right. Because we saw yeah. in the Super Bowl, you know, they sort of happened. You know, Goff got his face mask grabbed, but Brady got hit in the helmet. There was just all this other, all, all that kind of stuff that just I, I, I'm just kind of open always to reviewing these rules, but when the stuff just starts to seem team seemingly pounce on the thing that just most recently happened to them. Like maybe just take a breath for six months and realize that really only happened to us one time all year. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so for me, I, and I think this is where I'll come down in major league baseball as well. If you can get a system in place, and I, I there's a company that, I knew someone who worked for them forever. That was an instant replay company that would go to college games and do the the review stuff. I forget the name of it. But um, if you can get a system in place where you have a sky judge, someone who's up in a booth, who's watching the game, uh, whether from a sky cam, like a different angle that we don't get to see on TV, or from all the angles we have in front of us, who just reviews every play or, or a couple of judges, whether, you know, it's the NHL that goes back to the home office, right, in, in Toronto, where they, they go and watch everything. Yep. I'm fine with that. And if, again, much like the robot umps in baseball, if there's a buzzer system or whatever where the review judge has to buzz the, the referee and say, hey, this one needs to be reviewed, stop play, or just says, hey, I don't see anything right away, let's, let's keep moving. And that I'm fine with. The idea, though, that coaches can challenge anything that's going to get out of hand Uh, that's where it just and especially saying not called on the field becomes that sort of and slippery slope whether you believe it it, as an argument or not and there are people who will argue both sides of it um it does feel like that slowly opens up well you didn't call this we think it happened go review it and i guess the rules need to be enforced just like if they were called wrongly if they weren't called wrongly they should be then implemented it just feels like a, a way to really bog down a game that already sees a ton of commercials already is let's run for 3 yards and fall down i know america loves it uh but it feels like moving towards a much slower experience to attend a game live oh it would be brutal i've been to some long college games man long oh, yeah me too Yes, definitely. Four-hour overtime games. Like, I've been there. That's – it's, like, in the moment, you're like, ah, this is fun. Like, we're in overtime. We're in double overtime. And then you're really starting to think, like, man, I've been here for, like, four hours. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm ready to ended go. three hours ago. What is happening? Yeah, like, I'm <laughs> – yeah. And, like, that was at a time when the place I used to go, BC, didn't even have alcohol. Oh, that's right. So I'm yep. sitting there, yep. like, waiting to get back to – um, waiting to get back to the tailgate. Like, yeah, I was focused on the game, but at some point, like, we don't need to play a four-hour football game. It just doesn't have to happen that way. So, you know, there's – I don't know what the sweet spot is, but uh, I don't think the NFL – here's what I'd say about reviewing every play. I don't think they'll get it right. That's why I would say no. Okay. I think, it, I think the games would take forever, and I think – um. I think you'll find that most of the plays are called correctly and they do take time on some other ones. You know, look at the Edelman play. They took a long time to make sure that he didn't touch that ball oh, yeah. on that punt. Yep. And I hand in the air, I don't think he touched it. Yeah. But I swear to you, I couldn't believe that they reversed it. Because it wasn't a hundred percent to me. Right. I don't think he did. 
But that that was that break that the Patriots fans are like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, you know, that was the one where like, they get so lucky all the time, which isn't entirely true. They just take advantage of the breaks. But that was the play. Like, they really did take their time with it. And I think they got it right. But there's like 35 to 40 percent of the people are like, no, they no way. It touched his thumb. You know, so what what do we know? How many times did you see that replay? 50? Yep. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. So, you know, like this is all part of this. You have to try to take a step back and put yourself in their shoes. And like, are we just going to keep reviewing plays that we're pretty sure on? Like, I've said this before, Dan. It's not the official's fault. It's the league's fault. They've not putting this guy, these guys in a position to succeed. And it makes they've made the officials look like they're wrong all the time. That's yep. the league's fault. They're not wrong all the time. It's the league's fault. People think the officiating is bottom of the barrel. And, yeah, I do think they make a bunch of mistakes, but I don't think it's the official's fault. I think it's the league's fault. I think uh, two things I would want to see are technology-driven in the NFL are sensors in the football on both ends, on, on the nose of the football. Absolute no-brainer. So should have been done 10 years ago. Put it on the goal line and put it on the sidelines so that when no a punt is kicked and it goes out of bounds at the 25, we don't have a, a sideline judge running down with his hand in the air. And it, they are very good. Again, I don't want to make it sound like these guys are not good at their jobs. And now that they're more full-time and that it's their focus, I think it's even better. But the idea that you have someone running from 15 yards back and can gauge the exit velocity, height, and distance from them comparatively to the sideline and can gauge accurately where that ball should be placed, I think is absurd. And I think the sensor on the ball for just where it should be placed on the field. Like where where the player went down, again, sideline judges running in, and maybe it's a half yard, maybe it's a yard here or there. But over time, that those yards matter. And so why aren't we using the, the eyeballing of the spots is the right. dumbest thing in football. Exactly. Exactly. Period. It makes no it's sense. It's the dumbest thing. Because you see these line judges sort of run in like they've been drinking a six-pack on the sideline. Like they sort of wobble in, and then they look at each other, and one leans one way, and one leans the other. We and then watched they the Edelman play under a huge microscope many times while it was going on. Many times to determine within millimeters whether or not it had touched his thumb. But every first down in that game was like, yeah, it's sort of right there. I think it's sort of right there, and we'll just put it down. What do you mean yeah. sort of right there? Yeah, it's like sort of right there. Like I'm pretty sure he landed right there. Well, did he Did he sort of land right there, or did he actually land on the 41-and-a-quarter-yard line? Because that's right. where it should be, not on the 41-and-a-half. Right, and, and was he holding the ball – against his numbers was he outstretched when he actually hit the turf was the ball where it, it blows my mind i got into a discussion you just with, went uh, through two, 15 teams submitting rule changes yep and not one did we hear can we get a microchip in the football maybe that's not part of the submission but we need to get it well i think that's we're, we're gonna make it happen fantasy fantasy sports today the weekend edition we're gonna call up roger goodell we're going to let get him know. going on Twitter. We've what's had, what's we've a good hashtag? Idea. What's a clever hashtag? We'll start doing it. Uh, we'll see how much. You... Does, that, does, that, does that work? No, that's different. It's a different connotation. <laughs> oh, boy. Good times, as always, here on Fantasy Sports Today. What has your eye today, Mike? What sports uh, today or tomorrow? I'm on college gonna, hoops uh, today. Yeah. I'm in on college hoops today. I'm going to float. I'm going to, I got to see what the schedule looks like. I bet you probably got some A-Sun basketball. Yes, sir. I might have a few, few others uh, that are usually in big the mix. Big Sky, maybe Big West. Yeah. Uh, big West is usually late. I know that because I've been to that tournament. They I usually did. get decided late. So uh, NCA schedule today. I'll even tell you right now as we go to break. Oh, so many games. So many games. It's unbelievable. Championship week is upon us, Dan. So just check your local listings. We got Ohio Valley today. <laughs> there it that is. That finals tonight. Enjoy your time off, Mr. Blue. Big South. Stay tuned for Cam and George.